Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. We've had the second set of Round of 16 games and oh my days, we've had some drama. I'm joined by Jesse Parker Humphreys, Becky Taylor-Gill and all the way from USA, unfortunately today of all days, she joins us on Counterpress. is Jenna Tonelli. Jenna, thank you and we appreciate you coming on in what is a dark hour for American fans right now. I know I'm I'm feeling a little uh I'm like why do you invite me now? You couldn't get me before. <laughs> but you know, it's it's 8:15 a.m. I'm vibing on pure vibes, not a single drop of caffeine <laughs> and grief. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Are you planning to stay awake grief, for the rest I don't of the know day? Her. Like what's your plan now? I mean, my plan was to get a new phone. <laughs> But I think I'm just going to go to sleep. Just, just throw your phone out. You don't need to see any reaction. Yeah, was that, was that related to the game, getting a new phone? Or that was like just your general plan? I was just, a, you know, I was like, you know, we're going to, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to watch this game. They're going to win. I'm going to get a nice new iPhone. Like it was just all like a very nice day planned. And now I'm like, I'm going to cry over a nice coffee. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you need the effort. You need the treat. You need something to make to make the day different. I do. I do. Today will okay. be the day right. that you got a new phone, not the day that the U.S. <laughs> yeah. women's national team crashed out of the Women's World Cup. Yes. Okay. I like this. I like this. Like I said before we started recording, this is going to be therapy for me. So I need yeah. this. <laughs> yes, genuinely. And also, Jenna, the reason you have been up through the night is because of the weird kickoff times which the US ended up with because they didn't finish top of their group right. So this game was meant to be at the time that the Netherlands mm-hmm. South Africa game would have been if USA had finished top, which would have been good for a US audience. We all know US finished second in the group, which meant that this game started at what time Eastern for you? What time did you get It was this? 5 a.m. Eastern and I was covering a Gotham FC game, a NWSL game, and so... The hour drive back to New York from New Jersey. We got back at like 11.30, watched the end of the Netherlands game. I went to sleep around 1 a.m. So I got I got a solid like three and a half hours of sleep. Wow. Well done. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm proud oh, of you. Thank you. Um, we've got a lot to talk about on today's show. We've got a lot of questions that have come in as well. So we should probably get stuck into it. Obviously talking about USA losing to Sweden in a chaotic penalty shootout and also the Netherlands beating South Africa in that other round of 16 game. So let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Well, I don't really know where to start, but let's start with the big news that the US are out uh, at a World Cup round of 16 for the first time in their history. It's been a, a frustrating World Cup of first for the US, not the sort of first that they would have wanted. Jenna, we'll come to you as the, the US representative oh, in the house please, today. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, did you see that coming based on how tough it's been for them at this World Cup in the past few years as well? You know, it's, it's interesting because I, yes, of course, I, I think the US was vulnerable in this game going into it. And I think there were a lot of nerves, ho- hopefulness, in some ways, you know, a lot of valid criticism going into this game. It was definitely up in the air. But the way that they played in this game has been the best they've looked throughout the tournament, which makes it kind of all the more heart-wrenching for them to have gone out on such a chaotic penalty shootout. I mean, just briefly looking at some of the stats, they had 11 shots on target. Sweden only had one. It's just crazy that this is kind of how they they went out, and it's it's sad that even though this totally was a a game that was on the line for the U.S. in terms of actual gameplay, they they played the best that they have all tournaments. So a real bummer. Yeah, Jesse, let's touch on that because I think it is frustrating, definitely from a U.S. perspective, and they'll probably feel even more gutted the fact that they did dominate that game. Sweden came in with a pretty negative game plan which was we're just going to sit back and see if we can take some opportunities at set pieces they didn't really want to slash couldn't pass it around uh, and the US will be even more gutted because there were some really good moments in which Alex Morgan Trinity Rodman Sevilla Smith you know maybe if it wasn't for Zichura Musevich it would have been a whole different story today yeah, although I think it's surprising. Um, Opta posted the XG straight after the game, and I was actually amazed by how low the US's was. So the US finished on 1.29 and Sweden finished on 0.81, um, which like relative to the amount of pressure that I think the US had like kind of took me by surprise, but maybe says something about the chances they were able to create. Um, Musevich was amazing. It's by far and away the best performance I've ever seen her put in and I actually thought she started the game off looking quite shaky you know there was some... I, uh, Jesse I, I, I texted you because I was like oh Musevich like she was making me really nervy and then suddenly she flipped the performance on her head and it became like peak Ankerchen burger sort of you know folklore Yeah, I think she took a lot from some of those early saves, you know, even though maybe she was lucky that when she was palming balls out into the penalty area, they didn't fall to any US feet. But I think clearly, you know, as the game went on, she felt better and better. And we see it so much with goalkeepers, right? Like it's such a confidence position. And I think, honestly, if I was her, I'd have been pissed off with some of the defending that was was going on ahead of me. She really had to like bail them out. Uh, but, But she did. And I think as time went on, it did kind of feel, especially by the time we got to extra time, that the US had sort of, I don't know if they'd run out of energy or ideas, but they 
they weren't able to really sustain the pressure that I think we saw like at its best at the end of the first half. And I think everything from then on, like there were good moments, but it didn't feel like that real sustained onslaught. And it Sweden kept having these like moments to breathe, let's say within the game. And I think that's what was allowing them to regroup, um, create some some decent opportunities of their own at points. I think Jenna's right to say it was the US's best performance, but I equally think, you know, some of the problems that we maybe saw with the US in the group stage hadn't, there wasn't the time to fully solve them ultimately. So even though the US were better in this game, they they certainly weren't at a level which which left me being like, wow, this is a team that's going to win the World Cup from here. You know, like even if they'd gone through on penalties tonight, I still felt like this was a team that like clearly has a lot of issues to deal with. Yeah. I also think, I agree, like, they were much better. But about halfway through that first half, I said to my friend that I was watching with, like, I this has got nil-nil and penalties written all over it. There is just something about a game like that where you're like, no one's going to score here. Like, you can see it coming from, like, 10 miles off. I think that's what, uh, Jenna, for me, watching US this whole tournament, it's felt like that. To follow up on what Jesse said as well, it's the... It's the fact that when I see them miss chances with this US team, you feel like it's not going to happen. Unlike with other teams you watch and you think, oh, well, they'll get another one will come along the way and they'll stick it away. It's like once those chances don't fall for this team, it feels like more don't come or if they do, they're not going to stick them away. It's like that the team has that energy right now. Yeah, it, it's, it does feel like if they don't capitalize on the chances that they're given, they're few and far between and they won't come around. It, it definitely feels that way. And it's it's so interesting, Becky. I agree. I mean, I even even though the U.S. was the more dominant side in that game, I was just like, where are the goals going to come from? You know, like there were mm. some good crosses in the box. I mean, Emily Fox playing out of her mind when, when Lynn Williams went in. There was some, some good stuff going on, getting balls in. But just once they got in front of goal, just nothing, nothing was really happening. And I mean, maybe kudos to, to Sweden on, on some, some, you know, decent defending there to, to kind of not give them the space. But yeah, I mean, the, what was the XG? I didn't, I didn't see it. The US finished on 1.3 and Sweden finished on 0.8. After 90 minutes, the US were on about 0.8 and Sweden were on about 0.6. So they weren't even a full one after 90 minutes. So I mean, yeah. They had those shots on target. Yes, you have 11 shots on target, but what what are those shots? So I don't know. I think finishing has been a problem with this team. I mean, they scored, what, three, four goals in group stage play. Um, so And and watching, watching them, you can see that pressure build because there were so many moments that were so hit and hope in this game because the players are taking on that pressure and trying to make something happen. Lindsay Huran pulled, uh, you know, a, a great save um, that Musevic had to had to pull out on her. But there were other moments where she was just sort of slashing at it. Sullivan had a few of those. Rodman had a few of those because everyone was just trying to force it so much. And we see that build, but it continues to pile the pressure on them. Jenna, we have to ask you about the subs discourse, which has been the story of the USA's tournament because actually today Vlatko was getting a little bit of praise for that Emily Sonnet introduction and the way that that played out thought she played really well and got a bit more structure and grit and um yeah and presence in the midfield which had been empty really for so much of this tournament but then he loses all of that good credit with that change because 
it goes back to this whole subs thing again with the fact that up until O'Hara and Mewis coming on just before Penn started, he'd only made two substitutions and people were not happy about it with Rapino, who had a really poor game, obviously with the, the miss too, and uh, and Lynn Williams coming on. So do you, do you think that, that the subs discourse, people are sort of getting distracted by that and it's becoming a bit of a gag or do you actually think it's a really big issue for Flacco? I think it depends on how you look at it. So, of course, in 2019, you know, every player played in the group stage except for goalkeepers, of course. Um, That's because they beat Vietnam or not Vietnam, sorry, Thailand 13-0. Then they won their second game. So you could do you could do those subs. So I I didn't expect to see subbing to that extent in, in this tournament so far, just kind of like based on the group stage and how it's going. However, you have a team of 23 very talented players and you know the thing that people always say about the U.S. is their depth and that's just what makes them so strong of a team so I mean there's some players that didn't see any minutes Ashley Sanchez who I thought would see some minutes today Um, and so it kind of comes down to it to me is do you trust your players and the lack of subbing to me it just showed I don't know maybe a coach that didn't trust his players which to me is is a problem. Um, so I, I think in a tournament where you have these games so close to one another, you have tired legs, you have so much pressure, like you you need to, if you have that depth, you need to utilize it. I mean, the fact that Christy Mewis had 30 seconds in a game and then made a penalty shot and that was her only, you know, time in, in the she, World yeah, Cup. Yeah, but Jenna, she killed it. She, she did kill it. I mean, first listen. ever World Cup minutes and she was probably the best penalty of the lot. I was impressed yep. because I was I was very worried for her she, being thrown in the deep end uh, like that. I wasn't worried. I think just because she plays on Gotham and that's the team I watch the most and she's their penalty taker. And I just know she's, she. I was not, she was the one I was the least worried about. Um, but, you know, then you have, poor Kelly O'Hara who same thing she came in 30 seconds and then was asked to take a penalty it's not it's not easy so mm. um you know if you're you're gonna sub in with 30 seconds left on the clock and expect people to take a penalty shot sometimes that's what happens mm. all interesting stuff and important to talk about but do you think it matters because surely he's not gonna keep his job I can't imagine he will. Um, I mean, a bronze medal in the Olympics and crashing out in the round of 16. I just don't see how he stays at this point. And I think the the fans of the team are uh, pretty clear on on how they feel about that. And uh, yeah, I, I just I don't see how he stays. We had a few questions along those lines, but outside of the Vlatko conversation, because it does feel pretty clear cut that he probably won't hang around. But moving forward, there's been a lot of discussion about, right, what does the Federation do in terms of talent development? A big column from Emma Hayes this week in The Telegraph about the fact that the US aren't competing at underage group level anymore and they're missing out and that's that's uh, impacting the pipeline of talent the senior team so like as a federation where do they go next to because would you say this is the lowest point they've ever been lowest point maybe in recent history in in, mm. in recent history i i think so i mean something that was always concerning to me like going into the olympics and all like kind of that time period is that 2019 team was i mean just like an insane super team i just don't know if we'll ever see something like that again that was just a crazy team and i don't personally i don't think that the the federation did a good enough job 
kind of cycling in a newer generation of players and cycling out some of their older players. I think some of it kind of happened naturally because of injury and all that, but that's not, you know, how you want to see it kind of happen. So I think they're going to have to kind of take a a, a big step back and kind of look at that talent pipeline. Look, and and I was, I saw that article um, by Emma and, and I was kind of looking at just some of the results of like the U21s and U17 teams and, on the world stage and they're not good. <laughs> they're not good. And this is the future of, of the U S program. So I definitely think a, a step back needs to be taken on, on how to approach it moving forward. And not to say that, I mean, th- this team was, st- is still an extremely talented team. I mean, you see what these players do in their club play and all that. I mean, these, these are 23 exceptional players, but sometimes 23 individual individually talented players don't make a a team so I I think they're going to have to really kind of look at what that looks like moving forward it's also funny as well because when I was prepping for the show today I and watching that shootout I had written the line what next does this paper over the cracks because I'd anticipated the U.S. would win that shootout and I think that just kind of epitomizes the relentless exceptionalism and like winning streak that the US had been on that the assumption is they'll just get the job done because we've seen them do it so many times. And when Sweet when uh, Bjorn missed that penalty, I thought, that's it. Like the US are winning this shootout now. Did you did you feel like it was it actually could have been a potential massive turning point for them in this tournament? If, if they'd won the game. I do actually, because like I said, I mean, did they play the best soccer ever? No, but was there a marked improvement from the previous games? Yeah, significantly. So I think having that improved performance and winning in that penalty shootout, um, I, I do think it would have been a confidence boost. And I think that that, you know, you in these tournaments, you ride the, a wave of momentum. So I, I do think it would have helped. So it is a bit, a bit disappointing to that we won't see um, kind of what happens next. Although I was more nervous about them to take on Japan, to be honest. So. True, true. Whoever I think whoever was going to face Japan is going to get cooked probably, yeah. and Sweden certainly will if they play like they did today. Jesse, um, the other sort of big discourse of this tournament has been around Alex Morgan, who has started and played in every game. She came out late in the game today. But she's had a lot of criticism. She hasn't played well. I think it was Kim McCauley tweeting that she's going to finish with like the highest XG without scoring. Um, and um, I think it's been tough for her, not probably in a system that really suits her as well. But where do you think this leaves Morgan and some of those older players as well? Well, I think this is probably, you would guess, the end of you know that kind of cycle. And I think Jenna's right to say that probably one of the most disappointing aspects, in my opinion, of Vlatko Andonovsky's time as US manager has been an inability to refresh the team. Um, I don't necessarily think that Morgan starting as the nine was the worst idea here. And I do think her performances speak more to a general confusion that existed within the US team about how they wanted to attack. And I think it's easy to say point to Morgan and be like, especially when you've got Sophia Smith then playing off the left and not necessarily looking great off the left. And you're like, well, you could play Sophia Smith as the nine, uh, as we saw, you know, at various points, including at the end of this game. Um, 
But I just think regardless of whether you're putting Smith or Morgan in, the problems with the US's attack extend across the entire team. And it doesn't really, for me, make sense to look on one player and say, well, if we'd swapped her out for someone else, it would have all clicked. Because I just don't think there was any evidence realistically of of that happening. Um there are a lot of old players within that US team, you know, and there would potentially have been more. And some of them might have made, you know, better differences. Like if we had Becky Sauerbrunn, you know, maybe it would have been different, but the US's problem wasn't defending. So maybe it wouldn't have made any difference anyway. Equally, I can maybe potentially sympathise with Vlatko that it felt like he was moving towards a world where he saw Kat Macario playing as a false nine. And obviously she didn't, she got injured and she didn't make it back in time for the World Cup. But, there were solutions, I think, within this team. And I don't think Vlatko ever really showed much aptitude at, at solving them. And maybe that's the nature of coming from a club environment where you get huge amounts of time with a squad where you get to kind of pick all your players. Um, not that the US has a small talent pool. Um, it will be very interesting to see what it looks like for the US moving forward. I don't think they're short on talent. By any means. And actually, I think something that's obviously been fascinating that's happened within the US in in recent years is actually seeing younger players move into the NWSL and playing professional football at a much earlier age. And it'll be interesting to see how that switches over um, to, to the senior national team. But at the same time, yeah, there's been understandable concerns around youth teams. I don't know if that has to matter. Like... England's youth teams aren't very good and England don't seem to have a problem with producing young talent. We do pretty good, though, at a lot, some of the European underage group championships. We haven't done too badly. Less so at a World Cup, but Europeans. Listen, Spain are great at youth football and rubbish at senior football. I just don't think you. Ha- it's how well you do at youth football is like a determinant of how you do at senior no, level. No, 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 100%. Saying. But it's like... If you're looking at the if you're looking at the talent pool and the, and the prospective kind of growth of those age groups, like it does, you know, like if you look at the England men's side, for example, there is a really clear, clear transition of those players who went and won the FIFA Under Seventeen World Cup, and a lot of them have now progressed onto the senior side. I do want to just briefly echo what what Jesse was saying about Alex Morgan because I I think that role that she plays in this team is such a tough one because if you score, you're the hero. If you don't, Mm. you know, people are going to just go after you. And I I think, yeah, this, like, like Jesse was saying, like this system isn't the best for, for Alex in in terms of where she really thrives. Um, And I, yeah, I just, I I think she's going to, she's going to face a lot of maybe unjust criticism in the coming days because it's not, it's not on her, you know, this, it it takes 11. (laughs) So so, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And we haven't really, apart from Zizira Musevic, we haven't really talked about Sweden at all. But Martha Who? P. Who? I don't <laughs> Who? Never heard of them. Martha P. makes the point. Um, Hertig scoring the pen that she the way she did is the most Lena Hertig <laughs> thing ever. For someone so vibeless, bringing the biggest vibes ever, please discuss. It is pretty iconic because Lena Hertig is a very sort of understated casual person who um you know hasn't delivered a whole lot in the last few seasons whether it's for club or country um and the fact that it's her who has the winning moment and the penalty itself is kind of scrappy because it falls in behind a listener after she's made the save probably just sums up sweden's world cup and usa's world cup 
in one moment, really. It's the most anticlimactic thing in the world. Sweden are going to go through and face Japan. I think most of us feel like Japan are are looking so good at, at, at right now that it, it's going to be hard for Sweden to really get uh, get past them. But do you think, based on today, you change your mind on that? Um, I think we're at the, we're at the point in the competition where it's very hard to rule out one team or the other. You know, I think once you get to quarterfinals, teams have shown reasons that they're they've got that far. And I think yes, Japan remain the best team that I've watched at this World Cup, but Sweden just knocked the US out. Like a US team would never finish lower than third at a World Cup. So I think it's safe to say that Sweden will be riding high. I think Sweden have shown more in this tournament than they were able to show against the US. I did think they were poor. I thought they sat back way too much. Um, I think they did really rely on Musevic at a lot of points. Um, I thought it was disappointing how little they were able to put pressure on the US defence and on Alyssa Nea in particular, who I think is someone who actually looked like the most vulnerable element of, of the US defence at points. But equally, you know, something we talked about yesterday, Flo, is feeling that Japan's weakness is probably defending crosses into the box. And that's something that we've seen Sweden excel at in this tournament. So it'll be very interesting to see the match up there. You know, Sweden, there's been, I think there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about, you know, Sweden's, it's Sweden's last chance to win something. But I feel like at every tournament, we say it's Sweden's last chance to win something. Uh, and the old players just keep getting older and they keep on going. But they're an experienced, in inverted commas, team. But they are. They're a lot more experienced than that Japan team. And yeah, I think they will be really riding high off, off that result. But also, how many times have we seen teams take one big result and then it almost like becomes too much to them and they, they can't replicate the performance? Uh, so yeah, I'm sad we're not getting a... 2011-2015 final repeat, but it'll be a good game nonetheless. Yeah, and I think if Sweden approach the next few games like they did today and try and take it to a penalty shootout, they're going to have to get better at penalties because some of those penalties today were god-awful. I mean, no uh, one's getting Jenna, past Tachira. Masterclass. Yeah, true. Tachira well, still it. has not <laughs> saved a penalty. Well, I have never seen Tachira Musevic save a penalty. <laughs> she doesn't need to. She did everything in that match. She was like, I've done 120 minutes. It's your turn. Um, I think Sophie Lawson did say that she did want to save a penalty in a preseason friendly. Great. Oh, I trust but Sophie not- <laughs> with my life, so yeah. I believe it. But the stats, you know, it's not recorded because it wasn't a competitive fixture. So sorry, it's been lost to the archives. Um, Jenna, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you staying up. I know you need to sleep and grieve and process what's just happened. <sighs> Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I just ride the wave and get a giant coffee or if I <laughs> go to sleep. I don't know. But I think you have to go um, back to think, bed. Restart yeah. the day. I know. And I'm like, do I doom scroll? Do I not doom scroll? I don't <laughs> oh, don't do. doom scroll. Oh, easier said than done. But thank you, you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. Um, and yeah, best of luck with uh, your picks. Thank you. And and whatever you do, mute Carly Lloyd and Lexi Lalas. That's the <laughs> that's how you get peace. That's how you get peace. Thank you for oh, keeping geez. us humble today. We really could have <laughs> yeah, like, we gone in a different try. direction. And that, that's not good ahead of tomorrow's game. We need to stay yes. calm. So yeah. stay I calm, appreciate your calm. presence. <laughs> <laughs> and the All reminder right. and the reminder that no one is safe in this tournament. So no thank you, Jenna. No one is safe. <laughs> of course. And thanks recover, so much. 
recover, rest, and look after yourself. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day or evening. I don't worry. Are you guys all down under? <laughs> Me and Jesse are. It's a mix. It's a okay. mix. It's a mix. It's a mix. Okay. Well, happy time zone, wherever you may be. <laughs> well, now that we've got rid of Jenna, guys, we can say what we really think about the US getting knocked out. All respect, all respect, because we know that the Grim Reaper could be coming for us any moment. Yeah. But Becky, it. you were really, you were in the thick of head loss oh. in Sydney. I like really had to, I like if we weren't recording the pod I would have stayed there all night because <laughs> it was so it was packed to the brim like it was so so full full of US fans because they all thought they were going to be playing in Sydney today um, and there were so many of them at the Netherlands South Africa game as well wearing their shirts which I think is just like look I I booked my Brisbane Yuck. flight months ago we all did it we all assume that we're going to win the group but you have to take the L and not wear your shirt to the game that you thought you were going to be mm. playing in. But anyway, 100%. they were all at this fan zone and there was like, I mean, it was really difficult to tell throughout the game how many Swedish fans there were because there was not really that many opportunities to see. But those penalties, I was like, okay, it's a really like a handful of people and it was just incredible. And like the, obviously the, the like anticlimactic, ridiculous winning penalty it was just honestly like silence apart from like me and then like a handful of Swedes around. It was just incredible, impeccable vibes. I would have loved to soak it up all night. I do think I'm like, obviously don't want to get like ahead of myself with England, but it is just really exciting that it is going to be someone else that wins the World Cup for the first time in three competitions. I think that's just really cool. Um, and I think it just sums up how amazing this World Cup has been because it's just upset, shock after shock after shock. And it's great. Uh, let's talk about the other game in the round of 16 today, though, because, Becky, you were there at yes. Netherlands, South Africa. What were the vibes like in Sydney? Um, they were interesting, actually. Um, I got there about half an hour before kickoff. Um, and I think that it was like... Uh, relatively subdued during at least like the first half actually probably the whole game and I think that it's because most people were probably neutral and in in that position I think that most people were supporting South Africa because you want to see the underdog come out on top um and so they it was really loud when South Africa had chances um but other than that it was a bit like people were a bit a bit quieter and there was, it was but it was it was a weird dynamic because you look around and there is so much orange but then it is also I was gonna quiet. say like yeah had, had the had the Dutch turned out in big numbers yeah they did their classic fan walk to the stadium um and there was loads of them but maybe it's more because there was pockets of them but it was just it didn't it it was yeah it was a bit odd actually but, I mean it was really really fun and I loved it and it was really fun to see South Africa and I'm very sad that I didn't get to see them score because I think that place would have like gone wild because every time they had a chance it was just everybody was really up for it um so it's a shame but it was yeah it was a, a good first game to go to yeah it was a really frustrating result for South Africa losing 2-0 because they played really well had some really good chances Tebby Kleplana who's been phenomenal this tournament had two or three really good chances. Jesse, we said ahead of this game that we have really enjoyed the way that South Africa have stuck to their principles in all their games. They've been like so 
aggressive in the way that they've attacked the ball. They've always been really positive and tried to play their way. And even though that leaves them very defensively vulnerable, like that's the way they want to play and, and they get rewards because of it. I guess what was so frustrating about this is it's basically like a, a keeper error and bad defending that concede the two goals for them. And then they had so many good chances, which in past games where they have stuck them away, it just didn't fall for, for their way today. Yeah, and another good goalkeeping performance from Daphne van Domselaar. You know, Desiree Ellis sort of said it after the game and maybe Vlako Andonovsky would echo her if the opposition's goalkeeper is the player of the match. That kind of tells you everything you need to know about the way you performed. Again, also affected by injuries, which feels like South Africa have been really unlucky with the amount of players they've had to change in and out of their team because they've got injured during matches. Obviously, it's then really hard to find the same rhythm or play with your best players effectively. Yeah, I thought they were really impressive. Exactly the same stuff as before. Just Katlana's runs, her vision off the ball and the calmness on the ball for other players to like look for her and find her is so, so impressive. Um, But it felt like as soon as Swart let that Bierenstein shot go in, that it kind of felt like it, took the stuffing out of them and and you know we saw in the Italy game that they were able to come back but it just felt like this was sort of one one hurdle a bit too big for them to get over uh but yeah it was a really impressive performance it wasn't you know an embarrassment but for them by any means I thought they played really really well and you know I thought the Dutch were lucky to kind of get away with stuff at points I think we saw the South African attack exploit the Dutch back three in a way much more effectively than than other teams had so far and in a way that I think will be an interesting blueprint for Spain when they come up against the Dutch. Uh, But yeah, obviously, I think even reaching the knockout stages was fantastic for South Africa and to show that they can go toe-to-toe with a 2019 finalist um, was really impressive too. So I think they can go home with their heads held high. Yeah, 100%. I think that's been one of their best factors is they don't really let those setbacks impact them in-game. And I thought the the VAR, the fact that that goal was overturned through VAR, I thought, oh, here's another lifeline. But when that second goal went in, it did seem to just kind of like knock the stuffing out of them a little bit because they were pushing, pushing up until that point. And then it's kind of like, oh, it just felt like there wasn't a way back in. Jesse, Danielle Vanderdonk picked up another yellow card, which means she's going to miss the court final against Spain going to be a massive miss in what is going to be a really tough game for the Netherlands as well. She will be a massive miss, but I also think she might push Andreas Jonker into refiguring the midfield in a way that I think could benefit them. I think lots of people have been surprised to not see much of Damaris Egarola at this tournament, especially because the Dutch worked so hard to persuade her to play for them. Uh, But obviously it's up to... It's great for the narrative, though. It's great for the narrative that she's going to play in this game. Well, yeah, obviously, because she did sort of spurn Spain um, as part of that decision. I think it will be interesting to see, you know, DVD, obviously, I think she led like forced turnovers in this game. She's someone who is going to really push and press from the front. And it will be interesting to see Jill Rod presumably play that 10 role. Um, We've seen... Teresa Abellera have a really good tournament, I think, for Spain. Um, But, you know, I think she is still existing a bit in the shadow of Patrick Iaro. So it'll be a really, really big game for her. And I do wonder if 
DVD would have been more efficient there. But I think having Damaris, even if she played, when she came on today, it did sort of look like she was going to play the eight and Jackie Gronin was going to stay as the six. Uh, but I think regardless, she could offer the Dutch more control, which I think will be crucial against Spain. Um, someone did point out to me that maybe actually, although what the Dutch needed was chaos rather than exactly. control, which I think is, is an interesting point. Um, Who's going to be the troll in this game? What I would really like to see, but it won't happen, is for Victoria Pulova to play as the 10 and Kirsten Kasparai to come in as the right wing back. It's not going to happen. It's one of those stupid things where you're like, a bit like today with the US team where you're like, maybe Crystal Dunn's in midfield. No, Crystal Dunn was never going to be in midfield. But I do wonder if just having a bit more of a creative, not that Jill's not creative, but she's not as creative, I don't think, as Victoria Pilova, even though she's had a really good tournament. Um, but yeah, obviously it'll be tough for the Dutch just to have to rejig that. Um, but I do, I do wonder if having Damaris in there might, in the long run, benefit them. I thought you were going to say I might try Victoria Pullover in the troll as like that's a specific <laughs> bit on the on Andreas Jonker's board. Um, oh also, no! If we're talking about Spain, Jill Rod is going to be playing the troll. Immense, yeah, an amazing Jill Rod stat shared today during the coverage. The Netherlands have never lost when Jill Rod scored. Jesse Andres Jonkers is feeling very good about his team in this tournament, as you would if you're the head coach and you know you you, you advance the quarterfinal. Do we start to think of Netherlands as potential contenders? Because I know people are actually getting quite hot on them, but I've watched all of their games and thought they've been like fine on the ball, but don't probably create enough right now. And their defence is pretty, like you like to say, antique and pretty rogue. Yeah, so I think something that South Africa did really well in this game today was using their central midfield to stop the Dutch playing through central areas. And that put a lot of pressure on... Esme Brutes and Victoria Pullover to kind of get the ball into the box. And that's where the Dutch look most dangerous. And we've seen both Brutes and Pullover have like exceptional moments in this tournament when they've been given time and space on the ball. But I do think that the way the midfield is made up, if you can sort of effectively get in the way, that front two of, well, today it was Lika Martins and Lina Bernstein, but we've also seen Katja Snodges play up there as well when Bernstein was injured. They can get disconnected very quickly. And that means that then Brutz and Pullover have to really make up a lot of distance when they're putting balls into the box, um, which obviously limits their efficacy. I think the Dutch have come up with an interesting system. And I think it covers for a lot of their flaws. You know, I think the fact is they don't have a huge number of defenders for example, and I think playing with a back three allows them to play with the more antique players. Equally, you know, Viv Miedemar's a big miss. And I think being able to fit when they're available, Jill Rod and Daniela van der Donk and sort of have them rotate, plus then having Berenstein and Martins up front goes some way, obviously, to getting over that attacking loss. And I think it's just clear that they're very comfortable in this system as it is. Realistically, at this point, the whole tournament feels very, very wide open. I think especially if you're on that side of the draw, you know, if you're Spain, if you're in the Netherlands, if you're Japan, if you're Sweden, I think all of those teams would feel like, yeah, we've we've got a good shot of making the final. And that's really, really exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason why they can't make a deep run in this competition. 
Yeah, it is absolutely wide open. We should probably wrap there, guys. What a day. The USA are out of the World Cup. I wow. never thought I'd see the bloody day, but... When drink it, it in, people. Eyes? Drink it in before tomorrow. A new dawn. Where we might a be miserable. A new dawn is broken. It's, it is what? Sorry, can we just reflect on the fact that it's been 16 years since the USA weren't in a final of the World Cup? 16 years. That is insane. Boring. I was 12. <laughs> I was 12 years old the last time the USA weren't in a World Cup final. Wild. It's crazy. crazy. I can't wait. I'm really excited for the final. I think it's like whatever happens now, England or not, that is just so exciting. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here every day when there's a knockout round game. So make sure you tune in. England, Nigeria tomorrow and Australia, Denmark. We'll see you then.